Good afternoon and welcome to the channel Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield. We're going to talk about this drop that we saw within the soybean market below $12. But there's other influences that are out there on the trade, including what's been happening within the stock market, what's happening with interest rates. And on the flip side, lower cattle, is it all because of some slower chain speeds happening? Lots of things that we need to look at today as Arlen Suderman joins us with Stonex. And I, I could say, Arlen, you had the choice of hanging out with some football players or talking markets with us and i really appreciate your loyalty to our listeners and i know you're a chiefs fan great win on sunday but nice to have you join us today yeah i'd rather be here talking to farmers than hanging with football players but uh nothing negative against them but i'm not a crowd fan i'd rather uh be in agriculture now there we go let's talk about you might not be a fan though after this conversation that we have today soybeans below 12 dollars. you um kind of wrote some statistics that kind of followed around with it give us your spin as to what's going on in this trade yeah this is something i've noticed over the years and we'll see how it plays out this time around history doesn't always repeat itself but it's certainly something that bears watching and that's that the spot soybean or the nearby soybean futures contract spends very little time in the $11 range, basically 11 to 11.99. It passes through. It's like a, a demilitarized zone, if you will. You don't spend a lot of time there. Um, you're either pushing through it to higher prices or you're falling through it to lower prices. It usually doesn't spend much time at all. So we went back and updated some of the work I had previously done and, and we found that it's just been 3% of the time during the 2000s in that $11 range between 11 and 11.99, just 3% of the time. It just historically doesn't spend that much time in there. It can spend quite a bit of time above it, quite a bit of time below it, not much time in there. If history is going to repeat itself, that means that either we're going to bounce back up or we're going to fall right through it into the $10 range. And I know what our farmer listeners would like to hear, and I know what our commercial processors would like to hear. It's an opposite side. Um, but fundamentally, what we have now uh, is an oversupply of soybeans. Not significantly so, but in the eyes of the market, when we're in a commodity deflation mode, there's nothing to change that view or change the strategy for them right now. Um, we're seeing harvest advance quickly in Brazil. Brazil soybeans are priced a lot cheaper than what U.S. beans are going into China, about $2 a bushel cheaper. And so the U.S. market is trying to get competitive. And with a strong dollar, which got stronger this week, um, that's hard to do. Um, and that's a big reason why we're seeing prices head lower. I mean, it's just... Statistically, I mean, and you look at those numbers, the range of the past 23 plus years you talked about in your, your article makes it interesting when you look at the whole dynamics of where we've gone and where we really haven't changed a lot of momentum. We love to spend time in the 13 to $15 range in the markets. We probably spent the most time over that period of time in the 9 to $10 range. Um, but this is a market that has these pass-through areas. Another one is down in the $7 area, although we spend a little bit more time there, and hopefully we never get that low again, and I, I don't expect it either. I don't want to create that fear at this point, certainly. But um, 
it's just the behavior of the market and uh, markets tend to repeat themselves in what they do and their behaviors. Sometimes it's self-fulfilling prophecy because so many follow those histories and, and trade them. Um, but it does still come down to supply and demand and, and how the managed money is going to trade that. Um, Argentina is getting good rains right now. Um, no reason to pull back at this point from expecting them to double their production to around 50 million metric tons. Some local sources are still higher than that. Uh, Brazil, we're probably going to see their production estimates continue to work their way lower. Uh, at this point, we have no evidence that they're going to work low enough in order to increase our export demand enough to uh, justify rationing demand with higher prices. That's going to be the key. I think the focus is now switching from soybeans toward corn. We still don't have a story in corn, um, but I think more of that focus is going to be on how the weather pattern shapes up for the winter corn crop and whether that's going to be anything of significance for our market going forward. And, and that'll be what we'll be paying attention to over the next several months. What about this whole inflationary? And I mean, we may have to continue this into the second half, but um, give us your spin as, as to what you're seeing on inflation and interest rates at this point. Well, what I've been feeling for the last several months as I looked at the general economy and what's happening is I felt like we would have a resurgence of inflation in the, about the second quarter of this year. The timing is a, was a little bit difficult to assess. Didn't think it would happen before then, thought it might get lagged a little bit beyond that. Um, but now it looks like we may be heating up a little quicker. We had surprisingly high consumer price index data, inflation at the consumer level last month for the December time period. I felt like it would probably dip back again this month, um, but it didn't. It got a little bit stronger overall. Um, and that inflation, it it's not in the energy side. A lot of times we'll see gas prices, you know, crude oil prices driving it. It's in the core areas, in the service sector, transportation, labor, housing, those areas that are really pushing it. So what happens when energy prices do start going higher that's the concern that has implications for commodities. All right, we'll stick around, folks. More is coming up as we get ready to bring in the second half of today's channel final bell. We'll talk a little bit more about that, how that's going to set the tone for the markets the rest of the week. We'll also take a look at the drop that's been happening on the livestock. More is coming up. It's the channel final bell on the Rural Radio Network. Let's have another channel chat with Grant Bailey. Grant and his wife Mackenzie own Bailey Ag Solutions near Norton, Kansas. Well, Grant, with the channel and regional brands coming together, what do you see as the advantages? Uh, what I see is we're, we're merging multiple strong portfolios um, to bring our customers more options to use on their farms to make them more profitable. What are you most looking forward to with the new channel brand? Probably the momentum channel has a good strong momentum right now um, but it, it's a great brand with strong products uh, this is only going to make us stronger and have a better market presence uh, nationwide well channel is here to help farmers rise to the challenge for more on the new channel brand you can contact bailey ag solutions at norton your local channel seed professional or go to channel.com slash rise always read and follow pesticide label directions grain marketing and other stewardship practices
Welcome back to the Channel Final Bell on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield. As our conversation does continue with Arlen Suderman with Stonex, and we left off kind of talking about what was happening, interest rates and and stocks, and that kind of just things of of the CPI and all that information that came out. Not only weighing on it from a consumer perspective, but from those in agriculture who interest rates right now might not be their best friend. Yeah, and it certainly looks apparent at this point that the Fed's going to have to leave interest rates at these levels for longer. Um, and it's something that we've been warning about is we didn't see um, a, a reduction in interest rates anytime soon unless the economy takes a sharp turn south, negative. And in fact, you have to ask yourself when you look at what inflation has done, we quit seeing progress on lowering inflation when the Fed quit um, raising rates. So that even bears the question, is it possible we may even have to go a little bit higher? If you look at the long-term average inflation, excuse me, interest rate, it's about 5.4%. So we're a little bit below that right now. So we're, we're not even at the long-term historical average interest rate right now in this country. Uh, so it's possible they may have to go a little bit higher. Then you add in congressional spending and what that's doing and what that is expected to increase the offering of treasury notes onto the market by at a at $10.3 trillion offered this year, up about 23% on the year across the yield curve. So you have an increased supply of treasuries being offered. You have a decrease in demand for treasuries right now. And how do you create that demand with higher yields? Because you have to have enough buyers in order to uh, acquire the supply for, in order to finance Congress to do their spending. And so that is also a problem that ends up being inflationary contributing to it. At the same time, you have geopolitical risks in the Red Sea, uh, geopolitical risks in the Black Sea, freight paths are being changed, lengthening freight duration or, or time for delivery that reduces the availability of ships. Freight rates are go ocean freight rates are going up. Some shippers are switching to air, so we're increasing demand for air, so air freights are going up. Um, we're seeing increased demand for labor as consumer sentiment improves. We're seeing housing demand that has gone up because of the better economy, better consumer sentiment. Um, a lot of these factors are inflationary, and we're seeing that play out a little quicker. Why does this demand uh, matter to, uh, on the farm you mentioned it, interest rates. The other factor is inflation. And as we look at market perceptions of inflation, we measure that with what we call the five-year break-even inflation rate. That is traded every day in the marketplace, and that's basically what the market thinks inflation is going to average over the next five years. So if they think inflation is going to be trending higher as it did coming out of the pandemic, the five-year break-even inflation rate trends higher. If they think inflation is going to be trending lower, as they felt since basically, oh, the last two years since the Fed started raising rates to slow down the economy, then you see that trending lower, the five-year break-even inflation rate. Well, it is flattened out just above the 2% level. It's been flat now for about six months since the Fed quit raising rates. It's kind of flattened out. Uh, 
Now the question is, where does it go next? Right now, we're still in that commodity deflation mode with the market basically thinking, well, yeah, we've had a couple months of higher than expected inflation, but it's still going to go down, surely. If that turns higher, then these managed money, billions of dollars that own commodities, start thinking, wow, if inflation's going to be going up, we need to protect our portfolio against the eroding value of, of inflation, and we need to own the commodities. Well, right now they have big short or sold positions pretty much across the spectrum of commodities, across most commodities. So that would mean unwinding those short sold positions and starting to build some ownership. And historically that has meant that we manage supply and demand at a higher price level during those times when the market's anticipating inflation than we do during times when they're anticipating deflation. So if you look at statistical correlations, anything above a 0.7 is considered statistically strong. If you look at our Stonex commodity tracker, the correlation with the five-year break-even inflation rate is at about a 0.89. If you look at it versus just our grain and oilseed sub-tracker, it's 0.87. So it's very strong. And then there's a very strong correlation between those uh, basically in the midpoint eight range um, between that and the CPI, the consumer price index as well. So that's why we're following to see kind of when managed money will change their idea about inflation, thinking that's going up and change their view. All right, real fast, best way to get a hold of you? StoneX.com. All right, that is today's Channel Final Bell brought to you by Channel Seed and your local Channel Seed professional on the World Radio Network.